The Christian journey is like a mountain climb with Jesus as our mountain guide leading the way. It can be difficult. We are called to follow Jesus and live in accordance with His ways, but His ways may be counter to our natural instincts or cultural norms. The only way to reach the summit is to stay connected to Jesus. Prayer is our primary way of staying connected to Him, but sometimes we may not know how to pray or even what to say. Just as a novice climber may ask a seasoned guide for help navigating the mountain, Jesus' disciples, who were more familiar with prayer than we are, asked him to teach them how to pray. What we call the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' response, offering us a pattern to follow in our own prayers. But the prayer itself is also powerful and can help us on our journey. For the first five weeks, we have, phrase by phrase, sought to understand the magnitude and meaning of the prayer. Last week, we explored the phrase, Thy will be done. We looked at the life of Joseph and discovered the amazing way in which God's will can be done despite the evil actions of mankind. Often, in our struggles, we lash about like a fish out of water, forgetting that we are swimming in the waters of salvation. So we lash about holding our breath when what we need to do is inhale in faith. Jesus is teaching us to pray as he prayed, but not my will, thy will be done. Today, we explore the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Let's continue our ascent and say, Lord, help us on this climb and teach us to pray. So good. Yes, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you stand with me? We're going to begin with our scripture reading this morning. It's short and sweet. It's going to take you longer to stand than it's going to take for us to say it. Okay, let's say it together. This is uh, Matthew 6, 33. Ready, go. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. The Lord's Prayer draws us back to gratitude, submission, and dependence on the giver of our daily bread. So today we're going to focus on give us this day our daily bread. Um, Many of us in January, we fasted for 21 days. And I was a real stinker about it at first. That's the truth. You know, because I started having cravings and I couldn't have sugar I started having life challenges being thrown my way, unexpected things that were completely out of my control, and I couldn't just turn on Netflix and escape it all. (laughs) You know, I was in pain, and there, there was nothing there except God. But I forgot about that, so what I did is I went to Costco, and I bought a bag of prunes. Maybe this will work. Guess what? It didn't work. So uh, I had to repent because I think that we all probably have a similar situation in that it is easier to look everywhere except to God for our provision. And so I repented. And you know what? I started praying more. Amazing. Fasting is, is an amazing spiritual discipline. If you don't do it, do it. 
and you will be drawn back. You will be drawn back. You'll be attuned to your weaknesses. In fasting, we are reacquainted with our dependence on the living God for our sustenance. We, we become more aware that we are actually not our own providers. And it shows us that all the substitutes we can think of, including prunes, are empty. Didn't work. Fasting reacquaints us with God's primacy. This is our word of the day. Everyone say with me, primacy. Let's do it one more time. Primacy. And if you didn't already know, primacy means this. First, in order, rank, or importance. First, in order, rank, or importance. God was, is, and always will be first in order, rank, and importance. Scripture reveals this to us. Scripture tells us all about God's primacy. Scripture says that God's primacy is undeniable. Everything that was made was made through him. That's the book of John. Um, In God we live and we move and we have our very being. That's Paul in the book of Acts. Christ is supreme. Beautiful passage out of Colossians. God's primacy, his firstness, is the foundation of all creation. And God's redemptive plan is not just about the saving of souls. It's about drawing all of creation back to his primacy. It's about restoring the earth to the divinely created order that existed in the beginning. And God's primacy flies in the face of a society that says, we can make our lives what we want them to be. We can make them how we want them to be. And we can make them whenever we want them to be, as long as we don't hurt anybody. But the honest truth is that when we live our lives in that way, we hurt people all the time. The truth is that within ourselves, we find limits. Within ourselves, we find sin. Within ourselves, we find the end of ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread. Only God and in his primacy will we find the source of our provision. Would you pray with me? Father, we, um, we are declaring that you are holy and good and that we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done right now in our hearts as it is in heaven. <clears throat> and we are uh, positioning ourselves to receive afresh the provision that you have for us, the truth of your word, uh, the immeasurably abundant scriptures that you have provided to light the way. Lord, I I ask that we would be joined together, that our hearts would be as one, um, and that we would uh, surrender once again, that we would experience greatness and dependency on you, our heavenly father, our good father, the one that knows what we need before we even say a word. So, Lord, we come to you um, small, and we make you big now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm using the handheld mic and not the little thingy. (laughs) That's the technical name, by the way, thingy. Um, Because I have been sick all week, and I'm trying not to cough, and I just find myself coughing into the mic anyway. Devin, I'm sorry. I failed. I failed already. So the Lord's Prayer begins with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray these words, we are acknowledging God's primacy. And as we do, we realize, I don't have all the answers. Holy God in heaven, I need your help. 
Help. We're like little toddlers putting our hands up. Help. Pick me up. All our provision originates with God. All our provision, it emanates from God. So let's go back to the beginning. We're going to go to the book of Genesis with a little dance. I heard that music happening over there. We're going to dance our way into the book of Genesis this morning. And we're going to look at the primacy that God set into motion um, and how he set our dependence on him, the only one who can give us this day our daily bread. We're going to start with this. In the beginning, God gave us life. In the beginning, God gave us life. The accounts of Genesis 1 and 2 tell us all about how God created the world. The combination of God's imagination and his spoken word ushered forth all sorts of things. The sun, the moon, the stars, the land, the waters, uh, the, the, the sky, plants and animals and birds flying around and seasons and rest. And then the piece de resistance as Paul calls it, the masterpiece, humankind. Genesis 2-7, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Let there be life. God took the substance of his word, this dust that just appeared because he decided that it should, and then he combined it with his, the substance of his being, his breath. And here we are, a miracle. Take a deep breath. Let's do this together. I'm going to try to do it without coughing. It's a good feeling. Did you know that the average human being uh, breathes about 22,000 times a day? I didn't know that. I had to Google it. And I Googled it like I looked at several sources. Some people say 28,000. Who knows? It's a lot. 22,000 times a day. We don't really think about it, do we? Until we can't. Rhonda in the back, she's my friend. She, she runs our media every week. We should all just give her a round of applause right now. She's a respiratory therapist. She has seen firsthand what happens when the breath stops working. It's not pretty. You laugh, but people die on, on her table. You know, this is real. I, I have a little experience with this. Um, I'll never forget the time that I was visiting a friend of mine out in Cornelius, which is kind of in the fields past Hillsboro. Um, and it was hay season. And it was so beautiful. And there were these big old rolls of hay, you know, just all, all over the place. I, and then, you know, a few minutes into our play date, I started having this wheeze. And then that wheeze turned into a very serious situation. And I had with me like a four-month-old and a three-year-old. And I didn't have with me an inhaler. And I remember going home and like searching for it and I couldn't find it. So I called the doctor and I'm put on hold and I'm sitting there and I can't get the air that I need. And I have these little ones and they need me and I can't get the air that I need. I'll never forget driving to the pharmacy and waiting on that hard red bench outside the Target pharmacy. You guys know the bench I'm talking about? Brendan, he, he works at Target. We should like, we should lobby him to get upgrades on those benches, Okay. <laughs> I remember sitting there just in agony, waiting for that inhaler to be ready. And I also remember the relief I felt 
when the inhaler was ready and I took that breath, that first puff, and the air came. And I took that next puff. And all of a sudden, I felt like I could be a mother again to my little ones. That air was really important, and it was gone. And when it came back, I'll never forget it. You know what? I never go anywhere without my inhaler anymore. It's right now. It's in the office. I take it everywhere. Willamette Valley likes to try to kill Danya. She hasn't died yet. God built right into our bodies this physical manifestation of his primacy. He breathed the first breath into the first human and every human who has ever taken their breath. Every baby that's ever come out of the womb and cried out has declared the primacy of God. And you and I, we can do this. Every day we have 22,000 times to declare the primacy of God in our lives, to personalize our gratitude to him, to personalize our dependence on him, to personalize um, a submission to his will that we would indeed breathe the breath of life. Let's take a deep breath together. Feel his provision. We take our breath for granted. When we say the words, give us this day our daily bread, we are forcing ourselves to remember that breath and life have a provider, that breath and life have a creator, that breath and life have an originator. The primacy of God is evident. Every breath we take. I was going to sing Take My Breath Away earlier. I just forgot. (laughs) There's a lot of good music when it comes to this. Seems like maybe people are intuiting something. Yeah, God put his image in us, and we sing about it without even trying. God gave us life. All right, God gave us life. God gave us sustenance. God gave us sustenance. This, this is all kinds of things that we can make it to be. Genesis 1, Then God said, look, I think he's excited here. I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. God set the first menu He didn't ask Adam and Eve what they wanted to eat. Your kids ever do that? What's for dinner? That didn't happen. Yeah, (laughs) about five times a a night for you guys. (laughs) They didn't ask because they didn't even know they had needs yet because God actually created need and he created the means by which those needs can be filled. The primacy of God shows itself in our daily hunger Our daily need for sustenance. Rhythms of remembrance are just built right into our physical bodies. Isn't that amazing? Our digestive systems, they declare the goodness and the primacy of God. Um, I'm going to take a little straw poll from you. So get your little hands ready to shoot up in the air bravely. How many of you would say that food is important? I'm going to put up both hands because Brendan's not in here. And he was telling us all about food. (laughs) Yes, food is important. How many of you have cupboards or um, a pantry? I do. How many of you have a freezer in your garage for your Costco surplus or a fridge? Yeah, a lot of us do. Um, How many of you have thrown expired food away? I've got a bag of oranges in my fridge that need to be thrown away right now. Okay, now if you have said yes to any of these questions, I want you to be real brave and just put your hand up if you've ever said to yourself or somebody else, there's nothing to eat. 
all the youth. You better have your hands up. Oh, and that baby August, though, he just takes whatever's given to him. Oh, oh he's, he's the best. Okay, the truth is there is plenty of food to eat. It's just not what we want. It's just not what we want. So often the sustenance that God has provided to us is not what we want or how much we want. Maybe that's why the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, comes right after your kingdom come and your will be done. God's kingdom is not brought forth by the latest fashion trend. God's kingdom is not uh, built on the right president or the right government policy or the right elected official. God's kingdom coming into our lives doesn't look like the next vacation or the next new model of Tesla or the next Amazon deal of the day. Uh, Don't make me tell you about the Sharpies I bought that I never should have bought. I couldn't resist it. It was such a good deal. Mm, They got me. When we say that God's kingdom... When we say we want it to come into our lives, when we say that not my will, but yours be done, when we, we, we copy that prayer of our, our precious Lord and Savior, this has a direct impact on how we see provision. It ushers in an attitude, an attitude where we can say to ourselves and to our Heavenly Father, Lord, the good things that you have given me are good enough. This is a mindset of gratitude, dependence, and submission. And yet this mindset feels so impossible in a day and age where we are told that we can manifest the things that we want. Just think really hard about all of that and it's going to come your way. I uh, recently had a colonoscopy. (laughs) That's right. I had to fast for two and a half days. Actually, it was a little more than two and a half days. I was counting the hours because it, it sucked. <laughs> so as I was getting ready to go in for the procedure, the nurse says to me, what are you going to eat after you're out? And I was like, Hawaiian time. And then she was so excited about it. And then she kind of got a funny look on her face. And she was like, you know, Hawaiian time, they've been closed at weird times because of staffing shortages. So I'm just going to manifest that it's open for you. Well, I woke up all cozy and groggy from the anesthesia. Boy, oh boy, that was interestingly good. (laughs) I didn't think that was going to be how I felt after a colonoscopy. And Isaac loaded me in the car, and we drove to Hawaiian time, and Hawaiian time was closed. (laughs) That's right. I googled manifesting your future. And 17.3 million hits came up. Can you imagine? This concept is flooding our consciousness, whether we know it or not. It's flooding our TikTok reels. It's flooding our Instagrams. It's flooding our, our Facebook feeds. We are constantly being bombarded with the false idea of our own power to provide. Conversely, we live in one of the wealthiest nations in the world And we have the most technology that any human being has ever had and the most information that human beings have ever had at at our fingertips, like literally on my phone, at our fingertips. It's all right there. And yet, we are the generation of despondency. We are the generation of disconnection. And we are the generation of distrust. Hmm. And no one knows what to do about it. Teachers, they're throwing their hands in the air. They don't know what to do about it. Parents, they're throwing their hands in the air. They don't know what to do about it. Nobody knows what to do about it. 
One has only to drive down the streets of Salem and see the homeless camps and see the graffiti and see the drug deals. Anyone in here seen drug deals in Salem? I know I have in our very parking lot, in fact. Yep. You, you see it everywhere. You see the violence. You hear the stories of the foster kids that have unstable families. And it's, it's, it's epidemic proportions. One has only to walk down the road to realize that we are not as powerful as we think. We are not the great empowered providers that Oprah says that we are. <laughs> only God is. The fact is this, God is always meeting our needs, but instead of seeing sustenance, we see lack. We are hindered from seeing God's primacy by chronic dissatisfaction. Why? Well, in the beginning, God gave us life. In the beginning, God gave us sustenance. In the beginning, God gave us boundaries. In the beginning, God gave us boundaries. This is Genesis 2. The Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced not just fruit, but delicious fruit. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely from the tree of every tree, the, sorry, the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are surely to die. God gave abundance. He gave beauty. He gave deliciousness. This good God of ours gave us stuff already back there in the beginning in the ground that was going to make Scandinavian swimmers in the year 2023. My favorite sour candy. What a good God. <laughs> we get a sense of his generosity in this passage, but we also get a sense of his expectations that in his primacy, God would rule and when that, by the way, one rule would be broken, there would be consequences. I've worked with kids my entire life, ever since I was a kid myself, in fact. And I'm raising kids. God help me, everyone, extend your hand and just start praying. <laughs> it's really funny. Have you ever noticed how surprised kids are when they get into trouble? <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a lot you could say with just one little... It's of like a physical manifestation of their frustration with your rules, right? <gasps> please, 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 please. <gasps> Next time, I promise, I promise, I'll, I'll never do it again. And that's their response when they agree with your rules. It's a whole other story when they decide you don't know what you're talking about anymore. I have teenagers. <laughs> This is the essence of original sin. Human beings choosing to believe that God doesn't know what he's talking about. Most of us know what happened, but if you don't, here's what happened. Adam and Eve decided to break the one rule that God made, and they ate fruit from the one tree that he said that they could not eat from, and they ushered in sin and death, and they reaped the consequences of their free will choice. From the very beginning, humans have been trying to redefine the rules for themselves. As we try to make our own way on our own terms with nothing but our feelings and our own wisdom, we deny God's primacy, that God is first in rank, order, and importance. 
And worse than that, we lose sight of the goodness of God. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. We leave all kinds of wreckage and chaos in our wake. And then we blame him. Proverbs 19.3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then they love God even more. No. No. Then they're angry with God. In the beginning, God gave one limit. One boundary. All these trees I give to you. All but one. And ultimately, Adam and Eve decided that God's generosity wasn't good enough. They rejected his provision. They rejected his primacy. Jesus told us to say, give us this day our daily bread. When we utter this phrase, we're not just asking God to give us what we need. We are putting God back in his rightful place as our provider. We're restoring our mindsets to his divinely created order. The Lord's Prayer is all about acknowledging the primacy of God, that he is first in order, rank, and importance. In the beginning, God gave us life. In the beginning, God gave us sustenance. In the beginning, God gave us boundaries. Those boundaries were intended for for our health, for our healthy living. And as we bow our knee to the provision that he has given us, which is our birthright as his children, we are renewing our gratitude to him. We are renewing our dependency on him. And we are renewing our submission to his will. So we're going to go ahead and... um, I should have said this at the beginning, and I apologize that I forgot. But um, we do something a little different at this church, and we've been doing it for a while now, so hopefully uh, you're acquainted with it. There's going to be a number on the screen um, behind me. You can text in some responses to a couple of questions I'm going to pose to you. Um, Here's the first question. What conflict arises in you with regard to how God demonstrates his primacy in your life through the provision that you've been given. The second question, what about the primacy of God as your provider confirms what you are learning or know from your past experiences? So we get to wrestle a little bit with this concept together. What a beautiful thing it is to be a part of the body of Christ, um, as James said earlier. So I'm not going to share your names. Um, It's going to be... Uh, completely name-free. This is me telling myself that, so I don't forget. (laughs) And if you don't want yours to be shared, you can just write the word private um, before you begin your submission. What I'm going to encourage you, though, is this. Even if if you send it anonymously, um, your contributions might be the thing that spurs your brothers and sisters in Christ onto love and good deeds, which is what the Bible urges us to do. Um, So don't, you know... Don't be shy. This is where we all get to kind of open ourselves up to one another as much as um, we feel led by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start a timer for three minutes, and I encourage you to take a look at those questions and wrestle a little bit, send in some submissions, and we'll see what the Lord is saying to us together.
You guys are saying some really great things. This is fun. Hmm. Okay, so I, I just, there's, they're pouring in, and I probably haven't read eight or so, just so you guys know. Um, this person says, sometimes I wonder why life hasn't panned out the way I envisioned. Even the godly things like wanting kids or that my entire family would come back to God or that ministry would have worked out. Life has been beautiful, but it's not been what some would call practical. Trusting the Lord when it seems like even the most godly desires didn't materialize is my daily act of faith. So there's a number of you who are talking about um, the waiting and the wondering why um, in conflict. Um, why do I insist on my own way? Um, there are those who have referenced family of origin issues, such as uh, a parent that abandoned them at birth. Um, we all have a family of origin there's healing that needs to happen no matter how good your family or your father and mother were. Um, and I, I trust that in sharing that, we all have a sense of our own pain, a sense of our own testimony, um, awakening to God as the perfect good father and mother um, that we need, but maybe still feeling the disappointment about what we had Maybe even getting caught in that um, web of comparison, knowing that there are others who didn't have such a hard beginning. Um, life didn't pan out as we thought. Conflict. Um, there, there are several who have referenced, um, you know, kind of the struggle between your own efforts to provide and what that means in terms of God as your provider and, and how do you kind of pull those things apart. It, that's good. That's a really good thing to wrestle with um, because God has entrusted to us. You know, I, I didn't talk about it just because we, we just didn't have time, but God gave us a work for our hands, you know. Um, he did that before sin entered the world. He gave Adam something to do. And so how do we pull apart the work that is of him and the work that is of our own um, identity issues or the work that comes from, you know, maybe even wanting to push people away and, and, and not have to deal with intimacy, the work that makes us feel prideful, like, you know, I, my life is good, maybe someone else's isn't so good, and if they would just do it the way I did it, you know, there, there's a lot there. Um, I'm just going to take a second and read a couple more. I'm still seeing more about um, waiting. Yeah. Waiting is difficult. Um, there, those are some of the biggest conflicts, the waiting the trying, um, hmm. my conflict is how when I've been trying to be closer to God, how many unseen surprises pop up in my life that I struggle with. Yeah, life is unpredictable, isn't it? It's, 
uh, I've been wrestling with a fair amount of that myself of late. Um, hmm. Hmm. Here's somebody saying that wrestling with the provision that God has given them is their main beef with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is very difficult. <laughs> I love it when Siri talks to us when we don't want her to. Um, it, is, it is one thing to believe in a moment of conviction that God is our provider and that what he's given us is good enough. It's another thing to walk that out day by day, you know. I think it is... Um, Interesting that God gave us some daily rhythms that we're not in control of, like being hungry and breathing that draw us back into that. Um, I just don't think we engage with them in that way. That's not an answer. Um, I've spent a lot of my life with that same beef. Okay, so let's talk about some confirming things. I'm just going to read this one cold. I don't even know what it's going to say, so let's find out. Sometimes it's hard with the amount of choices I have every day. Hmm, yes. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that. On days I choose him first, starting with prayer and seeking him, and I often feel my choices are narrowed and I act more decisively for good. I must reach toward him and accept my provision. I love that. The link between um, that morning time daily surrender to our Heavenly Father and how that actually propels us in a direction as the day comes at us. Those preparation moments are key. Actually, oh, I, I'm so sorry. What was the name of the girly girl that came up here in McKenna? Sorry, McKenna. I'm terrible with names because I'm 42. <laughs> McKenna said, you know, earlier today, I totally got myself off the track, but she, she talked about that a little bit. And we have a lot to learn, both from our young ones and from our old ones and from our middle-aged ones. <laughs> um, Here's another confirming one. God has always helped me and my family through difficulties. But it seems that many people do not get that kind of help and rescue. Hmm. What do we do about that? And what's our role in that? These are good questions. Um, Let's see. There's a couple more confirming ones. Um, One, which is way down at the bottom now, I'm going to just kind of paraphrase, said, I thought I wanted to have biological kids that didn't happen and I adopted and it turns out God's way was the best thing for my life. What a testimony is that? That that must have been, I'm just imagining the years of pain and yet the surrender to a plan that was not of their own making, a provision that was not of their own making. Amazing. Amazing for that kiddo that got to be bap- or adopted. It's good stuff. Oh, you guys. I am trying so hard. Mm, Okay, I'm going to read this confirmation. This sermon is definitely God handing me a big slice of humble pie to remind me that I need to turn to him to trust that he will provide. Mm, In the past 24 hours, my bike frame broke, and we found out we owe thousands in taxes. I was crying last night, stressed over the money we need to pay out. But throughout my life... God has always provided in places of financial discomfort, and I need to turn to him in this season 
and rest that he will cover us in the ways that we may not expect. Yes. Amen. Amen. Can I give you a testimony, just real fast personal testimony, because I want to encourage this person. When um, Isaac and I were uh, young parents, we, uh, we had no money, and we received a bill. Our car had been stolen, and we received a bill in the mail for $1,000 from an impound lot. You know, someone had recovered it, and it got impounded. And we had moved, so we weren't receiving the notices to come get the car. And the time had accrued, and by the time we got that letter, it was 1000 bucks, And we were like, got nothing. And um, somebody gave the church $1,000, and they said, go have some fun. <laughs> we had fun playing, paying that bill. But you know what? God provided in a way that I would never have expected. And... Uh, it was sustenance. It was what we needed. Would we have preferred to play? Sure. But you know what? We had a lot of fun without, without money. Okay. There's, there's our kind of session of conflict and confirming. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that you were challenged. I hope that, I know I was, um, I think more than anything, I recognize that we have a journey, both individually and together, and um, what a privilege it is to walk with you. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, God is good. I love the testimony, both of the vulnerable variation, I'm not sure how this works, and of the confidence that a bunch of you shared that even in the midst of your struggles and turmoil and lack, that God is going to show up and that you have seen him show up before. Um, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to move on. I'm going to try to move on with one hand here. And we're going to close with a few words. Um, I think maybe something that is good. We've talked about God and what he can do. We've talked about us and how we try to do it. But there's something else that I think is really important for us to kind of zero in on right now. And that is that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the Bible tells us. That he comes looking all good and cute and telling us all the good things that aren't true. I mean, read the temptation of Jesus I think Isaac may, may have talked about it. I've been teaching a lot this month, um, but I read his messages every week. Uh, the way that Jesus was tempted to, to you know, gain all the, all the world. Satan took him and said, I'll give you everything. Just bow down to me. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to take the way of the cross. The enemy wants us to look at our perceived lack and declare that God isn't good, that God has let us down, or that God does not exist. So if you struggle with those things, know that that is an attack of the enemy. He wants us to spin our wheels and do it our way all alone. It's one of the reasons that we, you know, take this precious minutes of our service and we seek God's will and his spirit together because we are not alone. You are not alone. God wants you to be an orphan. He wants to orphan you away from your heavenly father. That's the truth. Because then you will not have the identity that you need in Christ. He wants you to lean on his lies and walk away from God, the God who actually can lead you into provision by his goodness. Everybody say, God is good. 
It's a really important thing. Um, I, I was reading a book, I don't know, last year sometime, and this quote jumped out at me, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Um, it says this, we need to go beyond intellectual assent to cultivating a deep experiential knowledge that God's will is the best thing that can happen to us under any circumstance. The best thing that can happen to us on, under any circumstance. God's will is the best thing that can happen to you. And the fear that his will will be displeasing is one of the things that drives us from him. It pushes us away. It's like that polar end of a magnet because it's our will bumping up against his will. And we want our will to be done, not his. We got to flip that magnet around. We attach to it because it's a safety zone. It's the best thing that can ever happen to us. I have wrestled with this. Oh, have I wrestled with this. I had child number three, and I did not want child number four, you guys. And there have been plenty of times where I thought child number four was on its way, and I was like, oh, God, help me. Only I wasn't laughing. I was in bed crying, James. (laughs) Ashley's heard the stories. Ashley knows. Ashley knows the pit of Danya. And you know what? The only thing that would get me out of bed was going, Danya, God's will is better than yours. Okay, whatever you want, Lord, I wake up to it. I want it. I haven't had child number four. My cat's my fourth child. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for was. I love her so much. <laughs> God's will is the best thing that can ever happen to you under any circumstance. Even if he tells you to give stuff up that you love. He doesn't do it to rob you. He does it because there will be treasure in the wake of your sacrifice. I find that in times of discouragement, the first thing I do is question God. Anyone else? Am I alone? How is that any different than what Adam and Eve did in the garden? How is that anything other than living into the inheritance of my sinful forebears? God's inheritance is Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead so that you and I can have life and have abundance. And the abundance that is found in him is not the same as what the world tells us it is. It never can be. It looks everything other than that. This is what Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. We read this in the beginning. And live righteously, live according to his will. And he will give you everything you need. Everything else will be added unto you. All the things that we worry about, all the things we wonder about, our food, our clothes, our lives, what we're going to do when we grow up, all of it will be added to us as we seek his kingdom. And as we live according to his will and his way, this verse is telling us that God's limits for our lives are good. This verse is telling us that um, we have actually found ourselves in Christ and under that sovereignty. And that as we live under that sovereignty in submission, nobody likes that word, least of all me. When we live in that submission that God can indeed, as the Bible says, make beauty for ashes and, and as Isaac mentioned last week, he, oh, during the video, I was like, I thought he was going to play that part. It was so good. And he says that God can bring limitless good from the evil in our life. So the person who said, what about all the people that God's not meeting? 
Maybe they haven't invited him to yet. Maybe they're living into their sinful inheritance and they need, to, they need you to tell them to live into their inheritance in Christ that they have a different inheritance. Maybe they don't know it. Maybe they don't know that there's a God in heaven that loves them, that wants to rescue them, that they have a God of rescue who is there waiting for them to call on his name. Amen. Only through Jesus can we experience these things. Only through Jesus can we experience the healing that we need from our families of origin. Only through Jesus can we pass on an inheritance to our children that doesn't look like the inheritance that we received. This scripture, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. This means that our needs met and not our wishes granted is enough. Okay, the primacy of God is on display for us today. Take a deep breath. There it is. Recognize it when you breathe. Recognize it when your stomach growls. Recognize as you encounter your limits, as you most surely will, probably even today, when your team doesn't win. (laughs) Chiefs, Eagles. I actually just learned that the Eagles were in it. So last week, Brendan had to tell me. I didn't know. Okay, so Lord, let's say this together just as Brendan had us do. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And let's remember that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it unto Jesus. You know, even if we lost everything. I'm really kicking myself right now because I, I read a couple books this year, and one of the books that I got from the library is uh, by Mother Teresa, and I was like, this will be really good for prep for this message because there was a woman who lived with lack. There was a woman who did not let fashion trends guide her life, only the compassion of Jesus. What an example. I'm going to go home and read that book. I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm going to read the book about Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa.